Okay, this morning. This morning, I just think I'm the wrong guy a lot of the times to be standing up here and talking to you. I'm a poor instrument. I say that because I like... It's the new year. This is the first of the new year. I'm the wrong guy. I was the one who would, in high school, I, 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 I didn't miss a single question on a history exam all year because I studied super hard because I wanted to be the best. I would get up early in the morning on crew in university. I'd get up at five in the morning to go row because we were trying to win the national championship. We did it. It took effort. It took sacrifice. You would, you would stay up late in medical school, and I went to medical school, and you'd stay up late. You'd stay up till 2 or 3 a.m. or pull all-nighters. It was kind of this thing, how many all-nighters could you pull to study to get the information to do well? You know, it took doing it to get where you're supposed to go. And when I got, went to seminary and started that, I fit right in. I was a student body president. They loved that I was a doctor and I worked hard and I was smart and I was all put together. They, they loved that stuff. So Christianity, we go after. And, 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 then, and then the word of God hits my heart. And I stand up here and proclaim the gospel to you. And I tell the Lord, I'm the wrong guy. Because it's so different than finding your identity in all these ways that the world constantly tells us to find your identity. It's nonstop all the time. And I, confession, bought in in spades. Whoa. And as we, as we last week, we, we started this, it's going to be a three-part little series, which we always do at the end of the year, the beginning of the new year, to kind of hit something really super important that, that, that sometimes, even as we go through books of the Bible, and it's fantastic, it's the Word of God, that's what we do. We want you to have the Word of God, and we want you to hear it, and for it to hit your heart. And, and that's what, what we do. We hold this book, and it's not just a book, it's Jesus Christ himself, to be our truth, and so it gets proclaimed to you. But sometimes, the, even the words that we use and the range of them and the, 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 the attack on those pieces are, are really quite significant in our Christian world. And so last week we took repentance. And if you haven't looked at that, we're kind of building through. So repentance, super important. Critical part of the Christian life. Why do I say that? How do you say that? Well, yeah, think about it with me. If you weren't here and couldn't hear it, if you have, it's good to hear again. In order to go to heaven, you must repent. That's not me talking, that's Jesus. In Luke 13, he says, he says, you also, unless you repent, you also will perish. You've got to repent. And so I know how I treated that. I treated that like, okay, Swanson, we're going to get rid of all this sin. We're going to turn away from it and make sure we don't sin anymore. And so that became my project. It's kind of like getting up early in the morning to study, making sure I wouldn't miss a question on the history exam. And as we discussed last week, that has nothing to do with repentance. Repentance is actually the change of mind turning from me, thinking I'm getting in God and enough for God because I work really hard for God and I do all sorts of stuff to advance his kingdom and I'm being the good kid turning from that to my hopes in Jesus. You know, Jesus actually died for me. He's everything. 
his blood for me and not about my enoughness other places, my, my value and identity other places, my hopes in Jesus. And that's repentance. Got to have it. Part of believing, right? Part of trusting. So we looked at that last week, the, the changing your mind from merit, myself, to this free gift of mercy. There's, the gap is so much bigger than we think. We don't frame it right in our heads. My eyes open to the wonder of Jesus Christ for me and for you. Okay, so that was repentance, changing our, our, our mind. We looked at that last week. That's, that's a big deal. Super important as you start to get that and you realize, wait a minute, it, it's not about moving away from behavior. It's about changing my, how I think about my very relationship with God. So today we're actually tackling another word, and that's forgiveness. Goes right along with it, right? Kind of the flip sides, the other way. Forgiveness, it looms very large in Christian vocabulary, and unfortunately very much in attack. People don't understand what the Bible's saying. So it's another one of those words that's absolutely essential for you. I'm saying, not me saying that, it's the Bible, look. Here's Colossians chapter three says bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Say, well, I'll get right on that. I mean, I guess I have to. Well, if you don't think that's strong enough, here's, here's Jesus again. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. That's Sermon on the Mount, right? Jesus speaking this amazing truth to us. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. I get in my head the whole buckle-down mentality again. It feels like what you're doing is you're putting me back on this pathway to say, okay, i got to do this so that God will do for me. I'm buckled down. I, when someone does something wrong and bad to me, I say the words, and if I have to... I, is that right? Is that how I should think? Okay, so what I want to do is to make sure you understand what forgiveness is, how we twist it. But what it is, why it's super important, and how to enter it into in your life today, what that means for you to be a person who's forgiving. So the word for forgiveness in the Bible means release. To free from bondage. To let go. To permit something to happen. To leave it alone. It's used for leave sometimes. It's, it's a releasing from guilt or obligation, giving pardon to someone who deserves judgment or binding. It's interesting that in the New Testament, Jesus uses it, for example, in the parable of the tares and the wheat. You know, let them both grow, these weeds among the wheat. Just leave them be, he says. He uses the word forgive. Leave them alone. Don't try and weed them out. Very interesting. So, so, so the way this word gets attacked, even in Christian circles sometimes, it becomes primarily about your effort or will 
to accomplish this so that God will forgive you. Kind of a a straight reading of this without even thinking it through. What we've done is take this concept and made it sort of a formal action that's centered on us. It should sound familiar. We talked about this last week with with repentance because it becomes about self-righteousness and self-achievement and cleaning up me instead of realizing it's about Jesus. So it is with forgiveness. It may be transactional in the sense we make it someone has sinned against us and comes to us and asks us to forgive and so we pardon them and then we decide whether or not we will and if we do, then we forgive them and we act as if it's never happened. We know this stuff. At least I do, and you should too. I, I, you know, years and years as a physician doing some counseling with people who don't know the Lord, and then years and years as a pastor doing lots of counseling with people who do know the Lord. And we talk about forgiveness a lot, but so often Christian counselors make it about the transaction. You come and you ask, and and that that's the that's the repentance part. You're kind of saying that you don't want to do it again. The other person says, "Okay, I forgive you. I won't bring it up anymore." Have you heard that? Like owning up to your sin and clearing the decks, making it right. What they mean is go ask for forgiveness and if asked, then the Christian needs to give it because of stuff like this verse on the board. It gets transactional because we don't have to actually give forgiveness if they don't ask. I've had people, and you probably have too, say, well, they haven't asked me for forgiveness yet, so I haven't forgiven them. Whew. Boy, I hope they never do, huh? What if they corner you in a corner and ask for forgiveness? Oh, no. If they do, then you're back to the command of God. You have to forgive. But I don't know. Lots of people doing this stuff. I, I, I've, I've sat, have you sat? I've sat with a, with, with a couple not in this church and sat down and asked, say, hey, what, what, have you forgiven? And the wife gives me a litany of all the things the husband's been doing wrong, dating for 20 years. Said, well, have you forgiven him? Oh, yeah. Well, what's with the list? Why are you rehearsing his sin? Because I can't help it, she says. It just has hurt me so much. I forgive, I try hard, but, but, but I know Jesus is forgiven, but I don't. Why? Because our flesh, right? Somehow we, we what, what, what that person had done says, but he hasn't changed. I forgave him, but then he kept doing it. That's because forgiveness is a lot of times conditional for us. I'll forgive you if you show that you really mean it. It's not going to forgive you if you don't show restitution or remorse or change. The stuff we talked about last week, right? Those things, uh, promising never to do it again. I mean, I I remember the first time I started cracking my knuckles, I said, I hate that sound. So I was like, okay, I'll stop. Yeah, famous last words. So, you know, 10 times later, I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 20 times, 100 times later, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to shut the door so I don't hear you. Because you're annoying me. So where does the forgiveness come in, in, in that? I mean, I think that's why Peter, that conditionality piece, if, you're, if I really need to forgive you, like in some sort of wrongness, then why are you? So Peter, when he heard about Jesus saying you've got to forgive, he, his whole thing is how many times? Why is he saying that? Because he's got the conditionality thing going on. 
He's got this idea that forgiveness is about me, me, me being okay with you sinning as long as you stop it. Or at least make some progress in stopping it. We can't seem to get away from forgiveness as a transaction. I will do this for you. What are you doing for me? A tool for improvement. I'm forgiving you, but you realize you're kind of on this, uh, that's, that's a, what's it called when someone's like, on probation. I'm kind of watching you to see if you're going to make efforts to not do that again. It's not one and done. It's not two and done, but maybe it's seven and done. So I, I can't overemphasize how important it is to understand that your life, our life, my life and yours, is about forgiveness and not about cleaning up. What a radical thing this is. About being released, about being set free. People tell me they want to spread the gospel and then they don't talk about this incredible message of absolute and total pardon. And suddenly somehow they want to yank the focus back onto themselves. Jesus told a story about this, you know. We're going to look at it. It's in Matthew 18. And Peter's asking about how many times. And like when sin happens against us, do we do it once or twice or gasp, maybe even seven? And, 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 and Jesus says, no, countless. And, and, and then he gives a reason why in a, in a parable story. And you may know the story. We're going to take a look. It's Matthew 18, starting at verse 23. So if you're following along, come look at it in your Bible. We'll put it on the screen too. But here it is. Matthew 18, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Did it not get up there? Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm the wrong one though. There it is. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay... His master ordered him to be sold with his wife and kids and all that he had and payment to be made. So this is a story. Jesus starts telling a parable and it's a story of law, not a story of grace. Right? That's what this is, right? The king is a bookkeeper. He's owed a staggering amount of money and is, the guy can't pay this back in a thousand lifetimes. It's that huge amount of money. It's, he just says, man, it's, this is on the order of like $300 million you owe somebody. The king says, I'm going to cut my losses, sell him, I'll get something out of it, and be done. By the way, totally just thing to do. You take out all this stuff, you owe it to him, you can't pay it back. You can't. Finally, the debt comes due. I mean, I, who, who, of course. Say, well, why is he selling his wife and kids? That's so wrong. No, that's the custom of the time. That's what they did. So basically, it's like, I'm going to cut my losses and be done. So the servant, it says, fell on his knees. Jesus is telling the story. Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Okay, think this through, right? The king does what? He changes. This is a big deal from his, his bowels, compassion, pity. The servant has only to ask. It's not even a good ask. 
The guy's got no real goodness in asking, right? He says, oh, I'll pay you back. No, you won't. Just give me a little more time. I'll pay you back $300 million. No problem. I'll get rid of, I'll sweep, sweep a few streets. That'll get me 10 bucks. Right? He, does, he, he can't. He cannot. And the king just has mercy for his own reasons, mercy and compassion. This is the huge thing to see, the point Jesus is making, right? The king makes no calculation of profit and loss. He ignores the nonsense about repayment. There's not a transaction at all. He just stops keeping score. Wipes it all out. That's the action of the king. He goes out of the debt collecting business. He says, fine, be free. That's that word, forgive, right? He's be free. I release you. He's released. There's no more debt. In no sense of forgetting necessarily. Sometimes we're all about, well, the Lord forgives, he forgets. He doesn't remember anymore. We take a verse out of Psalms to say that. But the reality is, he just says, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm letting you go. In this parable, King gets it. He knows what he's doing. You know who doesn't know and understand? The servant guy. Right? He doesn't understand what's happened. It's the only real explanation for what he does. So here's what he does. It says, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He owed... What did he owe? He owed 10,000 talents, and every talent is like 60 denarii. So he owes like 600,000 talents denarii to the king, and, or however many, hundreds of thousands. And, and here's a guy who owes him a few hundred. And seizing him, he, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused, and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And we go, this is horrible, right? I mean, who, if they were forgiven $10 million, would, would go out and beat 20 bucks out of somebody? But that's the frame, right? What if you don't know that frame? What if you're living as I live for a lot of time in my life as a, as a total fairness junkie? I just want fairness. I just want justice. What if that's your frame? I just want to make sure people, if, if somebody owes somebody else something, then they, they need to pay back. If somebody's been unkind, they need to start being kind. If somebody doesn't treat somebody well, they need to start treating them well. If somebody does something, they need to pay it back. This is not like unusual or weird. It would be like, yeah. The only thing that makes it weird is the frame Jesus just put it in. But if you took it outside the frame, what if someone should be kind to you and isn't kind? What if a fellow brother or sister in Christ says they'll come and help you move and doesn't show up? What if you're hurting and alone and no one comes and says a kind word to you? What, what if you're working hard and your fellow sister in Christ is off playing a video game instead of helping you? What if other people are getting ahead by cheating and lying and stealing? These things ought not be. Right? 
okay to say? And this servant thinks he has to make it right. Say, well, but he's focusing on stuff again. We all focus on stuff against us. Justice for us, you know. And that's what he does. Like, he thinks he's got to make it right. Unlike the king, he's not just forgiving. He's not letting them go. He's unwilling to get out of the scorekeeping business. He won't die to it. He's been released, but he doesn't think it's right to let others be released. Just let go. Pardoned. Forgiven. This is directed not at the one sitting. This is not directed at the person who's cheating, lying, stealing, and doing bad things. This is aimed at the Christian, you and me, us. This is directed at us, the one who have been repented, whose eyes have been opened to this incredible release from bookkeeping that the Father has done for us. It has nothing to do with the repentance of someone who's wronged us. Bummer. There's no restitution or remorse or anything else going on here for the person that's harmed this or owes this. And that's what Jesus has been talking about, right? He hasn't been talking about money. It's not about money, this parable. It's not about, oh, somebody owes you $500. Let's, let's just keep it in that room. Jesus is asking about how often do you forgive someone when they hurt you? It's amazing. The man's first thought of being released wasn't on how to die to his old life and rejoice in being forgiven. It was to go on with his scorekeeping like before. And so it says here, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And so the master summoned this servant and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. How long is that going to be? Forever. This is the danger, right? This is the danger. Not that you would be sort of being forgiving a reasonable number of times that you would, but that you would keep scorekeeping at all. And so prove you don't receive mercy. Jesus is not talking about owing God money. He's talking about sin. He's talking about law keeping, loving God and loving your neighbor and all of us not doing it rightly to each other. I owe everything to God who made me. So do you. Every thought, every deed, every action. And, and God didn't come and say, well, let me help you become a stronger tool for me so that you'll get a lot done and then I'll be happy with you. God in Christ comes to you and me and says, forgiven. I've done it all. And then we go out and hold other people to that standard that I just got forgiven to. 
It's like the workers of the vineyard, right? This isn't the only parable Jesus talked about this. The workers of the vineyard who they're working and the guys that only work for half an hour right at the end, they get like all this money. So the people that worked all day are like, oh man, I better get a lot. Those guys who work 15 minutes get a full day's wage. I better get like four or five days because I've been working more than them. Same concept, right? Who's keeping score? And how mad they are when God, who is God, doesn't keep score like we do. You know, we only see 5% of what God's doing. 95% of it's hidden under the surface like an iceberg. He's doing all these amazing things. And we think we're doing all this judging on the 5% he shows us. This is what he showed. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus Christ is going to solve all the world's problems. I'm in the world. He's going to do it by dying. His answer to our sins will be death on the cross. What does it mean? If we can't face the price he paid to free us, if we say, no, I will pay you back by my improvements and my work for justice, then we might never well have been freed at all, Jesus says. You cannot. Your neighbor cannot. You've got to get the gospel. This is the basis on which we will be condemned, you and I, sitting in this room, that, that none of our debts, none of our sins, none of our trespasses, not one, are an obstacle to the grace that raises the dead. I'll ask people, I'll ask people, well, hey, what, what do you think Christianity is about? And I get all the time, hey, loving God, loving people. And on the rare occasion when they ask me back, I say it's about something along the lines of death and resurrection, Because it's not about me doing well, loving people. It's about me receiving this depth of forgiveness. And I must. It's the only way. Your cheating on your taxes will not keep you from God. Your frustration you poured on your family won't keep you from God. Your lying will not keep you from God. Your coveting won't keep you from God. Your impure thoughts won't keep you from God. The because, because all of that just continues to condemn you all the time. And, and trying to tamp them down and keep them down doesn't work. What works is forgiveness that God gives us in Christ. That's it, right? But if we refuse to die, if we insist on binding others' debts and sins upon them in the name of our own justice, we proclaim we never knew the joy of grace in us at all. I love forgiveness. I think it's so critical and necessary and something that happens in your Christian life. It springs from a different well than self-righteousness and acts of your will. Forgiveness is the core of our trust. It's in communion, right? We're going to take it in a minute. We drink it. The words that Jesus even said, this is my new relationship with you where my blood is poured out for what? The forgiveness of sins. 
all of my sins forever taken away. My life, my life as it is right now, released, permitted, set free, free from guilt and shame, pardoned from its crazy wrongness, and wrong it is. Totally, amazingly, truly set free from any wrongness whatsoever in Christ. This is so radical, I can only say it because my eyes have been opened. I've been repented. The Holy Spirit has made me see Jesus is the way, not me. He's done it for you too, right? I received this incredible gift of Jesus. You, you, you must get this. This is not about a transaction. It's about the depth of what's been done, what exactly has been done. God has done away with the books. All it takes is receiving the gift of mercy. His name is Jesus. You will not look at the coveter and the hoarder and the unkind and the impatient and the angry, the unreasonably sad, the immoral, the same ever again. We're in the same boat together. The question always is, what do you think about Jesus? There are only forgiven sinners in heaven. Not forgiven sinners that have made restitution. Not upstanding citizens. Not good people. Failures, right? Brought in from the highways and byways. Not so they go and impose God's law on society and on other people, but to experience this incredible salvation. So stop, will you, with me today? What you get to do is realize you're forgiven. That's the message you want out there. Jesus paid it all. When you miss that and don't understand that God has gotten out of the bookkeeping business, you go and try and be a kingdom advancer and a good works example instead of a giver of grace because so much has been given to you. I... I, I, I honestly can't see it in the Bible that God is looking for more workers. He could make them out of stone. I mean, that's kind of where our head goes. You know, I, I got to get working for God. He's giving mercy to you. You receive it. That's what trust entails. Your sin is no longer counted against you in any way. We trust. We trust not just for this salvation that he's promised and we're going to clothe, and, but that he actually uses us as he wants to all the time. I don't even understand it. It's the iceberg thing, right? The, I, I see the 5%, but I don't see the 95% that he's doing all the time in every way that I don't even know because he happens to be God. He gets to do whatever he wants. But holding sin and debt against others is a rejection of this way of thinking and you cannot reject God and receive him at the same time. So give forgiveness personally. Proclaim forgiveness from God because this is exactly the gospel. Forgiveness of all your sin. It doesn't imply you stop it, you reform, you remake yourself, you give God payback. That's precisely what cannot be done it costs too much. And when you go out and imply that you can, uh, you, you aren't. You can't. Okay, so living in this reality, you become a person who loves to give. Give forgiveness. Give of what you have without merit, without earning. This is why we don't do tithing. We do free will offering. Because, because for joy, oh my goodness, look what's been done. That's our community. That's our community in 2022. Forgiveness. 
a gift of mercy to someone else. And we have such small hurts compared to Jesus we enter in. A couple of things on this before we close, because this has been about forgiveness and about the wonder of God's for you. It's so huge what we've been forgiven. So can you really mean I'm to forgive even people that have really hurt me? Yes, of course. So forgiveness is releasing and freeing and pardoning of the guilt of sin. That's what it is. It's not condoning the sin. Right? It's not a transaction in the sense that we've talked about it today because the reality is I'm not trying to work with the other person to keep them from sinning. I'm saying I, and you're released from your guilt against me. Not because of you, because of Christ. That doesn't mean I say the sin is good. I say, well, so if you just release them, you don't make them pay something, you don't make them do something, then somehow you're saying it's okay that they say Sin is never, ever, ever okay. Right? So it's not condoning sin to forgive it. The law remains beautiful. Lying is never right. Coveting is, never, is always wrong. Cheating is always bad. We are freed. But we don't toss out the truth of the law. Our freedom isn't in it. So that's the first thing. The second thing, this has to be real. If you're going to say, wow, I heard this great message on forgiveness. I'm going to start forgiving. And, 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 and you know what? I feel like I've got to forgive. Something I've got to do in order. To, so you just say the words, you know, and someone hurts you, but you don't actually release. You hold it in because I'm supposed to. I say the words. We're really good liars. Christians are because we're people. Don't say the words and not mean it. If you can't release someone, if you can't let go of the hurt that's been done to you, come back to the cross. Would you say it to Jesus? Stay there. Don't forgive falsely. We're not God. Jesus, I believe, is talking of the wonder of the depth of God getting out of the accounting business. And so we get out too. But you know what? I still have my flesh. I, I have such trouble forgiving 70 times 7. I'm so tired of forgiving some people. That just means I haven't really forgiven them, huh? I know. I struggle with it. You know what I do? I take it to God. I say, hell, please forgive me. I'm that servant who strangles other servants even though you've done it all for me and you get humble and you get transparent with God. And, and, and there's a beauty of big forgiveness. Like you see every so often, it circled one around on Facebook, this amazing forgiveness of, of somebody who had raped and murdered their kid. And the Christian person saying, I forgive them. It was beautiful. But what I'm really talking about is, is your forgiveness today. Little ones. Little. <laughs> They're never little. They're always huge. It's, it's, the, it's you really don't agree with the sinful way that your spouse is handling something. It's frustration over how your kid isn't really doing what they should do to advance rightly in the world. It's upsetness at somebody who in your social circle who's really ignoring you or not treating you well. Release. Release. Why? Forgive. This is radical, this agreeing with God with little forgiveness because it's a wonder to enter into without any knowledge from the other person at all. Try it. Take your hurts from other people and take the ways in which they've slighted you, mistreated you, not been kind to you in small ways and large and have a talk with God about them, just you and God. Thank you that my sins are so hugely forgiven and I sin in ways I don't even see. Help me, Lord. 
thank you, Jesus. I trust you. I don't want to forgive these other people, but you're so amazing and wonderful and I'm not. Please help me. Help me to give them mercy. And just leave it there. See what he does. Okay, my plea today has been you would see that forgiveness is the relational currency we live under now. And, and, and we remain sinners, but we're looking to Jesus who's forgiven every sin we've ever done and every sin your neighbor has ever done. In this room, talking about Christians, the books are closed. And to receive this is to receive the wonder that sin will not be counted. Improvement is not the issue. Cleansing is. Righteousness given is. And the ground is this otherworldly ground. <laughs> you know, the ground that Naaman took back with him because he'd been healed. The, 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 the earth, the blind man got his eyes covered in. The ground that held the cross that our Savior died on. It's holy ground. It's ground that soaked up the blood of the Son of God. It's we sinners, we know that we're loved and treasured by the King, not for what we will be, how we will respond, what we will become, but as ourselves right now, because of what? His great mercy. So be encouraged, it's gonna be all right. He's coming again with healing in his wings. Repentance, not stopping individual sin, but changing your mind about the relationship with God is, not self-righteousness, but Jesus. Forgiveness, not a transaction to clear the decks with other people, but letting go of the burdens of guilt and sin because mercy is our life. Okay, next week we're gonna talk the practicality of this just a little bit because I know I've given you a lot to think about. Think about it. Check it out in the Bible. This is the word of God. We have such an amazing savior and he has forgiven you. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for um, your word. Thank you for Jesus. And Lord, these deep things, we do not deserve you. And Lord, we who are gathered here and we begin to catch a glimpse of the depth of what you've done for us, the depth of your love for us, how you don't let us go. Lord, help us to be those who respond to the truth. Lord, we don't add one thing to your kingdom. We receive you and are amazed that you adore us. In Jesus' name, amen.